I love that little intro. I love the God's peace and the prayer. How beautiful is that to put those two things together? Thank you, Simon. So good morning and welcome, everybody. Welcome to our series on prayer, which is, uh, Simon began, prayer is the work of all believers in Jesus Christ. So if you are searching for God, you know, what do, I, what do I do for you, Lord? What's my ministry? What's my purpose in life? Here is one of the things that you know for certain God wants you to do. Pray. And praying is one of the most beautiful things that we can do, where we just come before Almighty God, we just open our hearts to him, and we just pour out all that is within us to him. And we began the series by looking at prayers of reconciliation, which is, that's the work of God. God is about reconciling us to him through Jesus Christ. And he's about restoring us to our perfect design, the design that he originally intended us for. And then we looked at prayers of adoration, which is just adoring God, just worshipping him, just coming before him, just telling him how much we love what he's done for us, who he is, and just sitting in adoration of who almighty God is and how much he loves us. And it's a good way to start any prayer before we give him the list of things that we'd like him to do for us. And today, we're looking at prayers for guidance. And I thought a good place to start is in the Bible. So I'm just going to read out some verses from the Bible that talk about uh, giving guidance, God giving us guidance. Isaiah 51, 58, 11. The Lord will continually guide you, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. So here is the first promise to us, that the Lord will guide you continually. So even if you don't think things are working out in your life, even if you don't happen to be asking for guidance, God is interested in you and he is guiding you continually. He's working there in the background of your life, sometimes unseen, but he is there guiding you. We can trust that he is doing that for us. John 14, 26. This is Jesus speaking. He's speaking to his disciples. And he says, But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. So we have the Holy Spirit within us, and he wants to guide us. He wants to teach us of God's ways. He wants us to show us the right way to go so we can trust again that the Holy Spirit is there speaking to us. Proverbs 16, 9. Ah, This is a good one. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Now, I'm very good at making plans for my life, and I think I have very good plans. And sometimes they don't quite align with what happens. God does something else. And so this is a really important scripture for me. It's not wrong to make plans, but it is wrong if I stick to my plan and don't let God tell me what the next step is. 
when I don't submit to what God wants me to do. And so this is a beautiful, beautiful promise to us that we can make plans, but it is the Lord who determines our steps. Psalm 32.8. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. God knows the best pathway, and he is going to guide us along that pathway. And he's going to advise us. He's going to let us know. He's not being silent. He wants to tell us what he wants from us. And he will watch over us as we go. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. This is the word. This is the word of God, the Bible. And that's why it's so important to read it and understand it because this is how God speaks to us through his word. And it is the way that we can guide our lives. It is a light for our path. Psalm 37, 37, 23 to 24. The steps of a man are established by the Lord. This includes a woman. And he or she delights in his ways. When he or she falls... They will not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds their hand. The steps of us are established by the Lord. And here is a promise that even when we fall over, we're not going to fall headlong because God has got our hand. Beautiful promise. And the last one, Psalm 25, 4 to 5. Beautiful prayer for guidance. Make me know your paths, your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. Yeah, the next one, yeah. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. So beautiful prayers. They're in the Bible. There's many more than, than those. Plenty of examples of people in the Bible who are asking God for guidance. So go to the Word and, and think about how to pray those beautiful prayers to God for guidance. But before I look more closely at guidance, I want to tell you a story. And I want you to remember, if you can, or imagine, if it's such a long time ago, remember yourself as a five-year-old, a little five-year-old. And here is a picture of some five-year-olds. Just look at their faces. Just look how cute they are. And there's so much anticipation and excitement in their eyes. And that's how you were as a five-year-old. You were cute and you were excited about life. So imagine that you had an older brother. Now, he was cool. He was awesome. He was dope. He was sick. You looked up to him. You wanted to be like him, even if you were a girl. And he had lots of cool, cool stuff that you were not allowed to play with because you might break it. And your older brother had much more freedom than you did. He would go out for the day, and you didn't know what he did. And so imagine your excitement when he asked you if you wanted to tag along with him for the day. And you were so excited that you couldn't sleep the night before. 
You set out on the day with your brother. He takes you by the hand. And you're walking down the street, and it seems to be a long way. And he notices that you're getting a bit, a bit, you know, unsettled. So he sees a playground. And he takes you to the playground, and he lets you play on the swings and the climbing ropes, and you're having the best day. And then he says to you, look, I've got lots of chores to do, so let's get on and get started. So he comes to the first house, and it's an old lady's house. And it's a bit overgrown, the front yard. And there are uh, lots of gnomes and statues of fairies and frogs. And he goes up to the old lady, and he introduces you. And he asks you just to sit on the porch and watch what he does. And you're happy to do that, especially because the old lady brings out some lemonade and some cookies for you. And so you watch as your older brother tidies up the front yard, trims the bushes, gets rid of the rubbish, and makes it beautiful again. He goes to the old lady and he pays her, and you set off for the next one. And this time, it's a businessman. He's working from his garage and he's on the phone. So you don't get an introduction this time, but your brother gets on with washing his car. And this time, the, the brother says to you, you can wring out the sponge. So you take this very seriously because you don't want to mess up the, the cleaning of the car, so you're wringing out the sponge. When he's finished, the businessman is still on the phone, but he gets paid. And this time, your brother gives you a dollar because you've contributed to his chore. And you're so excited because this is the first pocket money that you've ever made. And so you go and you do the other chores with your brother. And simply, sometimes he simply asks you to watch. Sometimes he asks you to do something more. And you come home and you're exhausted but thrilled and you hope that he asks you to come again. And he does. And as you grow and you get older and you're able to do more things, your brother allows you to do more things. And sometimes he lets you do things on his behalf. Now, you'd think that with this story, the progression is that you, as the little five-year-old, will become independent as you grow up. And you will find your own chores and you will earn your own pocket money independent of your brother. And that would be how the story goes if it was about us simply growing up. But this story is about us and Jesus. And Jesus is our older brother. No matter whether we're 5, 25, 65 or 85, he is our older brother. He's the one who knows what chores need to be done. He's the one who's going to give us the task to do. He knows when they need to be done and what needs to be done. So we need to allow Jesus to take our hand, like that picture of a little five-year-old taking her older brother's hand. And let this picture of that five-year-old be the idea of what you have every day as you wake up and you think, well, what will we do today, Lord? Every new day, just putting your hand into Jesus and walking with him and allowing him to guide us. And as we walk with him more and more, and we become known as friends, and we become known as his disciples, and we start to make disciples our own, there is a temptation that we will decide ourselves, because we think we know what's, what needs to be done. And so we start to set our own agenda. We have to come back to that picture 
of a little five-year-old and come back to the Lord and say, what do you want done? And simple questions like this, where will we wander today, Lord? Who would you like me to contact today, Lord? Who do you want me to pray for? What would you like me to read today? These are prayers for guidance. And I think we probably think of praying for guidance when there's big decisions to be made. You know, what work will I do? Who will I marry? There's a biggie. Where will I live? What, what will I study? What career will I have? Will I move house? And we need, to sit, we need guidance for those decisions as well. But we also need guidance for the small decisions. And this is a conversation between God that is recognising his authority. It's recognising that he is the Lord of our life and allowing him to direct us, allowing him to rule us and govern us. Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Acknowledge God in all your ways. That's a really key thing that we need to do. And I think that as part of the human race, we think we're pretty smart. We think we know a lot. Okay, we've landed a man on the moon. We know a lot about science. We know a lot about medicine. We build great buildings and bridges. And we tend to think that we know it all. But we didn't speak the world into being. We don't know when Jesus Christ is returning. We can't discern and know the motives of everybody's heart. We can't have relationship with everybody on the earth at the one time. When we think about how much God knows and who he is, we know so little. And so we need to acknowledge God in all our ways. So if you're praying for guidance, here's four steps that you can take. The first one is ask. Seems obvious, but God never forces us to do anything. He will attempt to bring circumstances around so that we can obey him, but he respects us and he wants us to ask for what we need. And then submit, submit to God. There's no point in asking for his guidance if you have no intention of following what he wants you to do. Sometimes when I ask God, it's not something I want to do. And so I can see how out of alignment I am with God in my life. And it tells me that I need to come back, that I need to confess, that I need to repent, that I need to realign myself with God. So submitting to God is really important. Third, expect an answer. Do you expect that God will answer you if you ask him for guidance? I think sometimes we think well, God's too busy or I'm not important enough. And let me just tell you, both of those things are absolutely wrong. God can have an intimate relationship with each one of us here, with everybody on earth with everyone who's ever been and everybody who's ever going to come because he's not constrained by time and it's his nature. 
And he wants to speak to you. He wants to guide you. He wants to give you an answer. So expect God to answer. And then take some action. God can't direct us unless we're moving. So it's a bit like a car. If you're on the driveway and you're trying to steer the car, it's not going to go. But as soon as you move, you can steer. And even if you are worried about stepping out in faith, it doesn't matter because God will hold you. God will find you and he will correct your path and show you the right way to go. So we need to take action. And there are two people in the Bible that give us beautiful accounts of God's guidance, and they're Gideon and Jonah. Now, Gideon, he was a judge in Israel. They'd settled in the Promised Land, but it was before they had a king, and God would raise up these judges who would take them into battle and defeat the enemies who were invading them. And you can read about Gideon in Judges chapter 6 to 8, but I'll just retell part of the story here. So Gideon is visited by an angel of the Lord. And this angel says to him, Gideon, you are going to lead my people into battle and you're going to be victorious. An angel of the Lord has come to Gideon. But Gideon isn't so sure. And so he says to God, "Um, look, if what the angel said is true, then I'm going to put this fleece of wool out on the threshing floor, which is open to the sky, And I want the the fleece to be wet with dew in the morning and all the ground around it to be dry. Now, we know that dew doesn't do that. Dew just sits everywhere. But Gideon is asking God for a supernatural sign so that he can be sure that what the angel said is true. Well, sure enough, next morning when he wakes up, the fleece is so wet that he has to wring it out and the ground around is dry. And Gideon says, okay, Lord, that was good, um, but I'm still not really sure. So this time I'm going to lay the fleece out. I want the fleece to be dry and I want the ground to be wet. And God does that. So Gideon asked God for guidance until he was sure. And I think that, you know, we can think that, that Gideon lacked faith and that he should have obeyed God when the angel appeared to him. But I think that we're all a bit like Gideon. You know, is that really what you told me to do, God? Am I really hearing from God, or is it something that I've made up myself? Um, And so look at the beauty of God in this situation. He doesn't get angry with Gideon. He understands that Gideon is struggling to really believe that this is something God wants him to do. And so he gives him a supernatural sign, not just once, but twice. So if we want to follow God, God will help us. And we can see the patience of God with Gideon. Gideon was seeking guidance, and God was more than willing to give Gideon what he needed to obey him. And then there's Jonah. Now, you can read the whole story of Jonah. It's in, he has his own book in the Old Testament. There's four chapters, so it's a good read. He's a prophet of God. So he is used to hearing from God. He's used to hearing the word come from, come from God and do it. 
This time God says to him, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach so that the city will repent. Now, Jonah hears this clearly from God. He has no doubt that it's from God, but he doesn't want to do that because the, the people of Nineveh are his enemies. What Jonah wants is for God to rain down fire and destroy the city, not to show them mercy. So Jonah disobeys God. And he sets off in the opposite direction. So he's running from God. So this is like Jonah lived in Parramatta. God told him to go to Katoomba in the Blue Mountains. Katoomba in the Blue Mountains. And he comes to Cronulla. And then he gets in a boat that's headed for New Zealand. This is how far Jonah is running from what God wants him to do. Now, this might sound more like a story of disobedience and God's guidance, but bear with me. What happens is that Jonah's in the boat and a huge storm comes up. And the sailors recognise that this is not a natural storm. And so they all cry out to their own gods, but the storm keeps on. Interestingly, Jonah does not pray to God. If he had prayed to God, the storm would have ceased. So Jonah, in his disobedience, is not only not talking to God, but he's also putting these other men's lives at risk. So the sailors know that there's somebody on the boat who's causing this problem. So they cast lots and it falls to Jonah. And Jonah says, throw me overboard. Now Jonah could have prayed then. Jonah could have jumped off the boat himself. But he tells the men to throw him overboard. You can see how his disobedience is just steamrolling. Now the men don't want to throw him overboard because... They clearly see that this is a man of God and they don't want to be responsible for his death. But eventually they have no choice and they throw Jonah overboard and the storm ceases. So Jonah would rather die than obey God. That's how strong-willed Jonah is. He just will not go to Nineveh. He'd rather die in the sea than obey God. And yet, God provided a way for Jonah to obey him because Jonah is swallowed by a huge fish who throws him up on the shore. And it's only when Jonah is near death that he cries out to God and he submits to him. That's how low Jonah had to go before he would obey God. Jonah disobeyed God, but God brought him back. And when Jonah has recovered from his ordeal, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah again and he says, go to Nineveh, and this time Jonah goes and the city does repent. I mean, I find the story of Jonah a huge comfort to me because if God can guide a man who had not submitted to God, a man who did not want to do what God wanted, then how much more will God guide us if we truly want to follow his way. He will guide us to obedience. And it doesn't have to be as drastic as Jonah, but you can see how God brought circumstances about in Jonah's life so that he would obey him. And that is God's heart for us.
He wants us to obey him and he will bring circumstances around that help us to do that. So remember that picture of the little five-year-old putting the hand in their older brother. I want you to think of that as the beginning of your day. And, and just say to God, what are, we, what are we going to do next? And as you just sit and pray, if a thought comes into your mind, then that's possibly from God. That's possibly something he wants you to do. Now, sometimes I've done this and I've sat and a person's, person's name will come into my mind and I think, okay, I'll pray for them. And then I might ring them and then I might go around and see them and, and it's a good conversation and I think, well, that was from the Lord. And then other times a name has come into my head and I've rung them and they're not there and I've gone around and they're not there and we haven't seemed to link up. So maybe I got that wrong. It doesn't matter. We have a go. We have a go because God is patient with us and he wants to teach us how to follow him. And it doesn't matter if we make mistakes. Sometimes we learn more from our mistakes than we learn from the things that work well for us. So it's okay to fail. And if you remember as kids how many times we fell over before we learned to walk, then just be kind to yourself as you work out following God and listening for his guidance. And so as we did last week, let's not just be listeners, but let's be doers. So find yourself a partner, two or three, and just take some time now. If you're online and you've got somebody with you, do it together. If you're by yourself, then type your prayer up with Annette. Just spend some time now, two or three together, just praying for guidance and I'm going to play and then eventually we'll come back and we'll sing a song. <laughs>